When I brought Spirit Play to congregations, I never expected that I would spend a year with Ghostbusters. Yes, Ghostbusters, that movie from 1984, set in New York City with a bunch of bumbling guys running around in proton packs and lasers trying to capture ghosts and, well, save the world. For a whole year, no matter what story I told in Unitary Universalist theology or history or world religions or global conservation, uh, Ghostbusters showed up every week in the kindergarten and grade one spirit play class. There were the character names, uh, their coveralls, uh, so were some of the ghosts. Um, the art would include highly detailed illustrations of the proton packs, the uh, unlicensed nuclear accelerators that powered the ghost busting. And that was okay. And this is why. After I would tell a story, uh, such as Francis David, the circle of children would have time to explore through art or creative play. Each child was free to choose from anything in the room. Uh, there were craft supplies, there were other stories, they could set up the chalice, they could build sacred spaces with blocks, uh, whatever was prepared. They didn't have to respond to the story. This was their time for work. They could do everything. Um, they weren't expected to repeat the story or reproduce the information they had heard. Um, this time was theirs. They could do yoga or paint or read or dress up. The adults were there for questions and to be curious and companions with them without setting up the children to think that the adults were looking for the right answers. So, but how did Ghostbusters come to Sunday school. Well, let me give a little bit of history that leads up to spirit play. Um, we start actually quite some time ago in Italy in the early 1900s. Dr. Maria Montessori, uh, she worked with some of the poorest children in the area. At the time, children also were seen as vessels to be filled, and society had low expectations of children in poverty. Now, Dr. Montessori, she treated the children with respect. She experimented with how to encourage their learning and their interest. Um, she tried different structures, different materials. She found that children worked well with well-made materials that inspired curiosity and play. That the children worked well when they had child-sized equipment and desks, when they had an environment that included nature and science, and enough quiet to let them sustain deep concentration. In fact, Dr. Montessori found that in a well-prepared space, the children were guiding and teaching themselves. The adults in the rooms were companions and helped, uh, but were not about wondering whether a child was getting a specific amount of information or being were on a single path. Now, Catholic educators took up this approach for their own Sunday programs. In the 1960s, educators created the Catechism of the Good Shepherd, and they created an atrium where children could learn uh, scripture and listen for God. They used the same pedagogy about providing uh, an attractive space and interesting materials. 
Now, fast forward to the 1970s, and there was an Episcopalian priest, Jerome Berryman. He learned about the Catholic program and thought it had potential for Protestant education. He created Godly Play. Now, in Godly Play, uh, the purpose of the program is to give children an embodied experience of the liturgical year and what worship means. The story uh, is equivalent to the scripture in worship. Uh, the work time would be equivalent to the sermon. And class would end with a form of communion called the feast. Now, the feast didn't have to have food, per se. Um, the company and shared time together that nurtured uh, connection, and that was in itself a form of feast. Now, in the 1990s, Unitarian Universalist educators wanted something that would be engaging and not simply rely on uh, more crafts in class. And Dr. Nita Penfold, Beverly Loop Bruce, and Reverend Ralph Roberts, uh, they took the godly play training and adapted it for Unitarian Universalism and spirit play began to be in congregations in 2000. Now, I heard about spirit play uh, when I needed a way to create a richer program that had more spiritual depth and would provide more options for children who, well, they weren't going to be satisfied by paper and glue and paint and so on. So in 2004, I brought spirit play to my ministry in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, and in 2018, Dr. Penfold retired, and I had the fortune to become the director. Now, along the way of all of this history of Montessori and the Catholic education and the Protestant education and Unitarian Universalism, there was space for Ghostbusters. Now, the structure of a spirit playroom remains the same as with godly play, with children being welcomed into the room, uh, joining the circle with the storyteller, hearing the story, wondering a bit together in the circle, then the, choosing, the children choose work and they close the, close the session with a feast. And that time for choosing work is open for what a child would like to pursue. Now, as an educator and a minister, I know that every one of us has great questions about life and death and our place in the flow of everything. These questions begin early, at our very earliest stages, with how we define self and understand that there is an other, get to know the world, and learn about emotions and needs. These questions are unspoken at first, but they certainly are there. And children get to hear in the spirit play classes, they get to hear stories about unitary versalist principles and sources, um, about science and nature, about caring for the earth. There are cosmic stories about the universe, small stories about the weight of a snowflake. And in the case of one child, for some reason, they needed to work with Ghostbusters for an entire program year. The other teachers showed attention and respect for this work. Um, however, it might have shown up on a given day, whether it was on a letter-sized piece of paper or on some great roll of parchment. For me, play 
is creating a place of trust and love. And as an adult, in such places, uh, as part of creating such places, but also as part of simply being present to others in a place of such play, I get to learn as much as I guide. Religious education in any form is one of mutuality. And one of our great purposes in creating beloved communities in a liberal approach to religion is the liberation of mind and heart and body. And we can accomplish that goal, that spirit of freedom, when we're based in an environment that is of, that includes trust and support and mutual discovery. When a space is prepared and a child can trust, more questions show up, other questions. There was another moment when a child was dealing with the death of a parent from addiction. And on a particular Sunday, and I was telling an entirely unrelated story to a few of the children during the work time, this child, in their language, um, suddenly asked about the power of addiction and why their parent died. They did not know what to make of the ways that the adults described and what happened and why this beloved person was so wonderful, and they were, and so ill all at the same time. This is one of those moments when um, the spiritual practice of being in the room was very helpful because this is one of those moments when the internal uh, conversation in, the, in a teacher's head or my head was, wow, what are we going to do with this question? And wow, how sad and how heartbreaking to be in this position for this child. And there we were with this child asking and other children present and listening as well. Of course, I couldn't give many definitive answers in that moment. But what I could do was recognize that sometimes there are big struggles in our lives and assure this child that they are loved, they are supported, and that their parent loved them very much. And sometimes those struggles are so big and so hard but that the best we can do is still remain together and wonder and care for each other. The work and the questions that come up in spirit play, well, it reminds me of one of my favorite phrases, that we have all the time we need. This spaciousness of time is so counter to the impulse, the drive for production and efficiency and work product that typifies a lot of our society. But simply to say what can be a radical thing of, we have all the time we need. It models that spaciousness. It gives that permission for a child to engage 
in any question they have. And for us to do the best we can with holding and respecting the power and the complexity of every question that is before us and within us. When such a space is prepared, we nurture the stewardship of self, of life. We get to focus on process, on the path that we want to create, on the promises we make to each other, and live out our shared theological language, our values. We get to practice inclusion, a radical welcome for everyone who is in the space. We get to model being a place of trust and let that spirit in each of us shine. We have very little time with our children in an education program, even in the most robust class schedule in a given year. But when we can do well by them and create deep play, provide such wonderful freedom of exploration, that provides such a, a net, a foundation of strength for them so they can create and they can trust. And that in turn becomes a gift to themselves, to us, to our faith, and to the world. For me, spirit play is a microcosm of what we want to create together as a beloved community. Whether or not one uses a particular curriculum, I will say, whatever the curriculum might be, in any context, in any community, it is for us to ask, what is the space we are creating for these lives, for our lives? And I will offer the wondering, I wonder what is my answer, and I wonder what is yours. What happens in our response matters greatly. It makes a difference for all of us. So let us go forth in our wondering together and say and ask, what places of trust shall we create together? Amen. <laughs>